This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. All right, let's talk about what is happening right now. There's a lot going on, actually. It's kept everyone in the newsroom very busy, which is why we are graced with the presence of News Director Terry Shintz today. Hello, Terry. How are you, Simi? I'm excellent. We've been kept very busy. We're going to start out by talking about this Massey Tunnel replacement project and this new report uh, that the provincial government released today. They call it the third phase of consultation on the bridge that will replace the tunnel. The government says that it shows a lot of support for the project. We've kind of broken down the numbers on that. And you can kind of look at this in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I mean, what do they say about stats? You can break them down pretty much any way you want and interpret them in a, in a, in a way that makes you happy. Uh, the province is out with results of another phase of the con- uh, consultation. And they say, yeah, generally we support the project, but going inside the numbers, uh, prepared by a consulting firm. They talked to about a 1,000 people, and they answered a question about the project's scope. 5% said they had no concerns. 24% said they were generally supportive. Okay, another 31% indicate conditional support, while 10% were opposed. 30% provided no comment. I don't know, Simi, I look at that. That and doesn't look like overwhelming support to me. That looks like, to me, a mixed bag. Yeah. You mentioned the 31% indicating conditional support. My understanding was that conditional support was based on um, what they called a more regional tolling situation where you know there would be more tolling spread out they wanted to see a different tolling policy essentially yeah the idea of regional tolling we've talked about it a lot and i have the feeling it seems to be gaining some purchase in metro vancouver because you know we've talked about it a lot how are we going to pay for these improvements and it doesn't seem fair that if you only take one or two bridges that you have to pay but others don't have to pay i think that people are crying out for quite frankly crying out for some leadership when it comes to an overall policy oh yes uh, which does not seem to be there at this point and i don't for the life of me while i'm taking up your time <laughs> see, Go for it. see anybody imposing this before heading into an election because that could be risky and well this is what i don't understand too i mean we seem to be doing this piecemeal i said that this morning is that i really wish that everybody involved the, the province it's their job their leadership issue here they want this bridge very badly sit down show some leadership let's talk about what their different visions for the region actually look like and find a way to get it done because it's not working the way they are doing it this time i understand that transportation minister todd stone is also speaking at this hour yeah he is speaking in a hotel down in richmond and our charmaine de silva is caught up with him there and a few protesters out front of that Richmond really? Hotel. Uh, not an overwhelming number, about a dozen or so, but they're holding up signs saying no to this three-kilometer, three-and-a-half-billion-dollar project, a project that the government uh, calls a top priority. Many here, Simi, to boil it down, say no business case has been made. They want to see that. Yeah, I think a lot of people still feel that. Going back to the report that Terry mentioned there, too, uh, the biggest concern expressed among the 1,000 people that actually participated is the tolling of the bridge. 37% said they wanted a lower tolling rate, and 22% opposed it altogether. So that's a pretty significant number. That means that 59% of people, that's almost two-thirds of those that they asked, don't like what has been proposed with the current toll and want to see it either lower or no toll at all. So we'll find out what Todd Stone has to say about that. As Terry mentioned, Charmaine De Silva is there. We'll keep you up to date. When we come back, it sounds like it was a day for hearing from the public 
because that happened at TransLink, too. That's next. Hey, this is Sophie Louie of Global BC News. You're listening to the CKNW Simi Sarah Show, and this is what's happening right now. TransLink CFO Kathy McClay calls 2015 our year of listening and says there was a 1.7% drop in customer complaints. Okay, let's see what happens after the year of listening that TransLink had. That were just some of the revelations that came out of their open board meeting. Our reporter Janet Brown was there, as you just heard. News Director Terry Shins is with me now to break down a little bit more. What does that mean, Terry, a year of listening? Well, I think it's a little bit of spin. Uh, people complain. <laughs> just a little. Just and, a little. Yeah, people complain about this service or that service, and here's the bus company and other transit officials saying, okay, yeah, we, we are listening to what's being said. Basically, there's a TransLink board meeting going on today, uh, Simi, and a few dozen people have turned out because they want to know about the issues and they're, they're able to physically go. They apparently were surprised. There was no agenda at the door and no written report of the financial statements, only uh, an oral or verbal report. When you start going through a lot of number oh. crunching for an organization like that, I, I presumably it's a blizzard of numbers. You'd want to have a, a copy to look at. That doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, TransLink CFO McClay, Kathy, calling it the year of listening. She says <laughs> customer complaints have gone down 1.7%. And, you know, there's a joke there when I heard that because I thought, wow, you spent a whole year listening and customer complaints only went down 1.7%. That doesn't seem very much for a whole year of listening. Yeah, again, numbers, you can do with <laughs> yeah, them no what you want. Uh, Coast- Transit ridership is up, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Coast Mountain Bus Company, um, another big part of the transit system, they are admitting they're inundated with complaints of the buses passing people by. Yes. Which, you know, every time SkyTrain uh, catches a cold, we all go nuts, right? Oh, the SkyTrain's down. But I, I get that it's very frustrating for bus yeah. riders to have the bus keep going by and passing by and passing by. They say uh, Coast Mountain's boss says about 1,100 bus pass-ups every week across Metro Vancouver. Uh, ridership up as well. Uh, we need more buses. No kidding. For sure. Where's Prime Minister Trudeau getting we us new buses? We need more buses. We need more transit infrastructure. I, I would actually tie that to the previous story on the Massey Tunnel replacement because we need to fix the way we get around in Metro Vancouver. Uh, so as we mentioned there, we'll be hearing more about that because Todd Stone's talking and Charmaine De Silva's there, so we'll keep you updated. Uh, let's talk about what else is making news right now. And there's some good news for people on the North Shore. Looks like a new 10-bed mental health unit just dedicated to youth is going to be built there. Uh, mental health and substance use issues affect British Columbians from all walks of life. They touch our entire community. We all know friends, neighbors, uh, children, family members that have issues. Sorry, every one of us is touched by this, and so it gets very emotional for, for many of us. Yeah, that's Health Minister Terry Lake, and he did get very emotional there. And I th- he's, he's right, though. I think any of us can point to somebody we know who have had to deal with this. I think everybody I know, uh, whether it's people from work or or people in a social uh, setting or just friends and family, I don't know of any family that's escaped it, whether it's depression or anxiety or something more serious or what have you. And uh, I was talking with the guys in the newsroom, Terry Lake, uh, getting quite emotional today and fighting to keep it together and fighting to find his words. And I found that refreshing. I, I think that's a genuine reaction to some of the things he's dealt with in his life and yeah. a, a little bit of money to hopefully 
ease uh, the suffering from especially young people who deal with some of these very troubling issues. I think we know, I mean, if you follow the news, you know how much we've talked about this in the last few years, about needing more facilities for youth who struggle with mental health issues in particular. Uh, do we know, Terry, how long this is going to get, take to get this up and running? Or Well, a couple of million dollars have been donated. They are working on a 10-bed unit, and uh, progress should get underway shortly. One of his key messages today from the minister, Terry Lake, is it's it's good to talk about this because yeah. talk of talking about it, sharing it, you keep chipping away at that stigma that somehow this is bad or somehow it's shameful. It's not bad or shameful. It's just it's just what a lot of us struggle with, yeah. and it's okay, and it's good to talk about it. And you mentioned this. You mentioned donations, so let's talk about this. Got to give them the shout-out. Philanthropist Jack and, is it Leonie Carlisle, have donated Correct. $2 million towards the covering of capital costs. And I saw Shane Woodford's tweet on this earlier when he was covering this press conference. And apparently the Carlisles are celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. 70? 70th wedding anniversary. And today they're donating $2 million towards covering the capital costs. And I thought that deserves a shout out because that's pretty neat. That is pretty cool. Yeah, 70 years. Terry's going, well, how many? 70 years? That's a long time. That's a very long time. <laughs> that's a very long time. So that in and of itself, and plus a thank you to them for donating that money. When we come back, what else is making news? Well, I find this really interesting. The BC Building Trades uh, raising some concerns about whether or not we are hiring enough local workers when it comes to big projects like Site C. That's next. Hi, this is Gord McDonald from the CKNW Newsroom. You're listening to the CKNW Simi Sarah Show, and this is what's happening right now. I would think that given the level of unemployment uh, in British Columbia, that uh, that project should have 100% British Columbia employment. All right, that's Tom Sigurdsson, who's the executive director of the BC Building Trades. They made a Freedom of Information request to try to find out, this was back in November of 2015, how many people working from BC are on some of these big government projects, such as Site C and Terry? They found out, in their opinion, not enough. Yeah, and in their opinion, they say 100% should be staffed by BC workers. They did file the FOI. They say it took 103 days to get back to them, which is a, you know kind of a big number, but that's how FOIs work. Uh, they say about 65% of the more than 480 workers on the site were from B.C. Uh, Tom Sigurdsson with Building Trade says that's clearly less than the 75% that the minister responsible, Bill Bennett, claimed were on site in a media interview he gave back in December. So government says about 75% of these people are B.C. workers. Sigurdsson says their freedom of information request refutes that, and it's about 65% B.C. workers. Uh, no doubt a lot of people are coming over from Alberta. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, with what has happened in Alberta over the last year. I mean, I know people who live in some of those small communities who are saying that's all they see these days are license plates from Alberta. And in some cases, that's being applauded, like what we saw with the shipbuilding contract and C-SPAN said, this is great. We've got all sorts of qualified people coming here. But I could see how this might be a problem, especially if the government has touted all of this as jobs for people in BC. And if that's not the case, especially when you're focusing on so much skills training in our schools, where are they going to go if those jobs are already filled? 
Yeah, I mean, there is a discrepancy in, in the numbers from the Trades Council saying 65, the government saying 75. I, I don't see the tap turning off from that Alberta flood anytime soon. I think no people way. from that province, which is really struggling at a historic level, are just going to keep coming to B.C. looking to snap up some of these pretty well-paying jobs. Yeah, I know. And I've got two brothers-in-law who live in Edmonton, one of them working in the um, oil industry. And he says the same thing, that they people are leaving every day to pack up and go to BC. So this is the the reality on that. And that is interesting about the, the reports about what Bill Bennett said. That's true. I'm just looking this up here. It was back in December, December 22nd of 2015. Energy and Mines Minister Bill Bennett saying that, no, he did fire back and saying that there were more than enough local people working. Their jobs guaranteed for British Columbians on that site. He said that his direct quote back then was 75 to 80 percent of the first 600 workers on the Site C project are from B.C. BC Building Trades are disputing that number. I have a feeling, Terry, we haven't heard the end of this. No, I mean, Site C is a big political hot potato. A lot of people, as you know, want to stop it entirely. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Building Trades Council says, well, it should be 100%. That's not going to happen either. It's going to fall somewhere in in that ratio. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about what else is happening right now. Now, for this next person, I was tempted to put them in the loser of the day category. They still may show up there, but so stupid, we thought we'd put it here as well. Examination of the damage, the debris field, led police to believe that this car was traveling at a high rate of speed. High rate of speed? Brian Montague from the VPD, that's a bit of an understatement. This car that they're talking about was going 250 kilometers an hour? Now, I must admit, Simi, <laughs> to to <clears throat> go behind the curtain for a moment, on the 11 o'clock news, I did something we call a cold read. Oh. Where this story came into my computer. You had not seen it before. I had not seen it before, and I did not have a time to read it uh, to myself before broadcasting it. And I was reading it thinking, 250 kilometers an hour? Can it even go that fast? Apparently, it can. Can it go that fast at 57th and Granville in Vancouver? Apparently it can. Well, if you're willing to risk cracking up, as this fellow apparently did... So again, if if you have uh, a loser of the day category, uh, and I don't have my news hat on right now, this person probably is a solid nominee. Here, yeah, here's why I put him in the loser of the day category. So today, the VPD charged the person they believe is responsible. That would be Yu Hui Wang. He left the country shortly after that crash. It was April of last year, but he recently returned to get his citizenship. And that's when they nabbed him. Yes, they did. (laughs) Hence, loser of the day. He walked away from that crash. So he was so lucky. The passenger suffered head trauma, facial fractures, brain swelling, fractured arm, possible eye damage. But the driver himself apparently walked away and then comes back a year later to try to get his citizenship. And the police go, "Uh, wait a minute, there's this crash that happened a year ago. Yeah, and... What on earth would possess you, if this is all true and these numbers are accurate, 250 kilometers an hour? I didn't even know a Mercedes could go that fast. I know they're big, powerful vehicles, but... 250, ah. Especially in that neighborhood. Wouldn't yes. that scare you? There's houses. It's so 
Uh, okay, Terry, thank you very much for that. That is News Director Terry Schintz getting us up to date on what is happening right now. That guy, good candidate for being our loser of the day. But you know what? We've got some other ones, actually. So the one that we have actually have chosen as our loser of the day would give this guy a run for his money. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? Well, right after the news, actually, we're going to be talking about this really interesting story that's been kind of making the rounds over the last couple of days. It's about this blood test for concussions. I know you think about that and you go, how could such a thing be possible? Well, we're not quite there yet, but researchers saying we are very close. A simple blood test may someday be used to detect concussions. Well, how would that actually work? We're going to find out about that. In the meantime, send me at cknw.com. Don't forget our buzz line, 331-BUZZ, 331-2899. You can text that or you can record a message about anything that we have covered today. We'll have more right after the news. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk.